hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Corinne Vanasse, a tremendously talented actor you may have seen in Lea Poole's Importez-Moi, Guy Madden's The Forbidden Room, or Denis Villeneuve's Polytechnique, which she also developed and produced. She also appeared with Receive Sutherland in two very different movies, the romantic drama I'm Yours and the World War I thriller Trench Eleven. She won two Canadian Screen Awards for her performance as Lise Delorme in the CTV drama Cardinal, and she voices a fairly crucial role in the animated feature Felix and the Treasure of Morga, newly arrived on digital and on demand today. She's the best, is what I'm saying, and I'm delighted to have her on the podcast. Kareem picked Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Eliza Hittman's quiet, observant, and almost unbearably powerful 2020 drama about a pregnant teenager named Autumn who travels from small-town Pennsylvania to New York City to get an abortion, accompanied by her cousin Skylar. Autumn is played by Sidney Flanagan, Skylar is played by Talia Ryder, and they're both incredibly effective. So is the movie, which is one of the best American films of recent years, and one that was so modest and unflashy it went right under the radar of audiences and awards bodies last year. But Kareen saw it, and she wanted to talk about it. Like I said, she's the best. This is someone else's movie. You know, there's so many movies out there that people are talking about and... And, you know, these days it's so easy to think that, you know, once you make a film, if you if it ends up being on Netflix, you know, everybody will see it because it's going to be available to everybody. Yeah, but it can be it can get lost quite easily as well. And um, and never rarely, sometimes always is a movie that a friend of mine recommended to me a few. I think it was like two, maybe two months ago. And uh, yeah, it's the kind of little gem that I really hope everybody would get their hand, their hands on I, I it's really um it moved me uh it felt more than relevant uh it felt very special although you know made with just a very very low budget um but great performances and um yeah i just want to make sure that it gets mentioned uh as much as it as it can because it's um you can feel the impulse of just i want to tell that story okay we don't have a lot of money but let's you know, make it anyway. Let's tell that story. And you, there's a lot of heart and passion. And, you know, just for the last scene, the last moments of the film, I love when a movie does that. You know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect all the way through, but there needs to be a moment that, you know, just I, for me, at least as a, as a viewer, that's what I love. Um, and those final moments of that film, um, they will stay with me for years and years and years. And when talking about the film, I will reference that specific moment. And it was very powerful story, storytelling wise. I think that it was really uh, well built up. Yeah. Yeah. I you you know that electricity that you feel when you, when a movie is about to hit its perfect ending the first time you yeah. see it when it's just like oh please let this be the last shot this don't go any further this is exactly okay. where you've been bringing the whole story this is where we've been going um i saw it i don't want to say alone but there was maybe two other people in the theater with me because uh, we screened it we we played it at the uh, TIFF Secret Movie Club yeah. it was the last yeah. one last year uh huh. that we did just before our lockdown I knew uh, Eliza Hittman's work. Uh, I really love Beach Rats, and and yeah, some... I didn't, I didn't know her work. Oh wow! Well, she's made. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong. I think there are only two other features before this. It felt like Love and Beach Rats, and they're awesome. they're all about as well as Never Rarely. They're all about uh, teenagers 
and young people figuring out who they are and what they want. And this is the one that applies it to a practical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like love and, and beach rats are both about um, protagonists who they want relationships. They don't exactly go about it very well. Beach rats is about a, a closeted gay guy in his early twenties. Who's at home with his dying father and he's on the Jersey shore and he can't act on his homosexuality, but he does. And it's just about the the pain of denying what he wants and, and not being able to, to act on his desires. And, and of course, never rarely, sometimes always is about a young woman who knows exactly what she wants. And it's about the impediments and the way yeah, 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 yeah. That the huh. world around her won't let her get it, which is, which is equally powerful in a completely different way. And so watching this film in this quiet, in the, like, I think it was in TIFF Cinema 5 in the light box, the, the littlest room, very intimate, very small, very suffocating almost in, in certain points in the film. It was just, it was great because, oh, this is everything this artist does. This is all of her strengths directed in something that's now political as well as personal, yeah, yeah. deeply felt. And yeah, when you hit that ending, it's like, oh, Christ, this is, this is art. This is, she knew this all along. But when you say, yeah, and I think one of, when you say that, yes, obviously it was political, political, but also deeply felt. And I feel like it's, um, it's easy to think that these two does, don't go together. Mm. That when you're doing something, uh, you know, quite political, you'll slowly lose that connection with um, a deeper feelings. And this movie never lost that. Yeah. Oh, I, no. Oh, no, I agree. Um, she makes it so touching and so simple the visual language of of just the way that people hold hands that mm-hmm. throughout the the film that there's this constant sense of touch yeah. and reinforcement we, we talked about it in the q a we um she and her and the two leads sydney flanagan and talia Ryder, were in berlin and so they were i think they were either on their way to the screening or they had just come back from it and they were both they were all three of them were jet lagged and exhausted and it's, it was like the best time to talk about this movie because it is coming from such a raw, I mean, it's a polished professional film, but it is yeah, so yeah, yeah. purely emotional and so, so yeah. clenched and, and terrified. And I just, you watch it and you think, how is Sidney Flanagan not making six movies a year? How, where has she been? And it turns out that she was a singer. She she actually is a musician who yeah, Hitman good. discovered at a picnic. Oh, that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was shooting a documentary for someone and, Planning uh, it was just there playing a song in Buffalo. I want to say, wow. But it's um, I don't know. Do you um, how many days of shooting did they have? Because it really feels like it was shot like. Yeah, I think it was three or four weeks. Three or I mean, four weeks? Okay. she said it was a very compressed schedule. They didn't have a lot of money and they didn't have a lot of time. And right. and the road movie aspect was a complication because they had to keep figuring out how to set, how to set up the next thing while they were shooting the thing they were currently right. shooting. Because it's, you can feel the, I don't know, there, you feel the night, the exhaustion of the night and the, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to keep that for the entire length of the movie, you know, it, but we, there's, and I never felt a disconnection to them. Yeah. Yeah. It, there is a documentary feel, isn't there? I mean, it's, it's right. sort of quietly set in 2003 or something, which I didn't even notice the first time through. Me neither. Yeah, but the VHS tape is there and there are all these little cues. Okay. I yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, apparently, but the longer you spend with it, though, well, that doesn't make sense. I think there's some, doesn't somebody have a cell phone? 
or maybe I just assume that because they don't have a lot of money, they just have older model phones. What's, what was the impact uh, in the States? Do you know if it resonated? It, it opened just as the pandemic hit. So uh, all the coverage was sort of truncated. Um, yeah. I know that uh, I know that it was not as aggressively opposed as I expected it would be just for the subject matter, because you assume that they're going to stamp down on anything. Yeah. That yeah. vaguely, especially in the Trump, like in a Trump election year, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be a much bigger deal. But I think just because it was released by Focus in a small pattern, it mm-hmm. sort of got rolled over. I mean, it was actually supposed to open in Toronto the weekend everything shut down uh, or the day after because it yeah. never made it. We had to pull yeah. our review. Oh, you had to pull it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, it didn't show up for another hey. three weeks. So we had but to. The, uh, because, you know, I'm asking about the States, but at the same time, you know, it's always... It is still relevant in Canada to talk about it too. And it's so close to the emotional journey of what this girl has to go through. And there's, I don't know, I feel like sometimes it, this specific subject, it get, we get in our head a lot, you know, it's about the, um, you know, the, uh, the moral aspect of it all, but, you know, uh, the internal um, journey that it represents for women, especially young women, you know, it's sure. such a big decision. And, you know, when we talk about abortion and, um, you know, women's group, all, they, they often say that regardless of, you know, a woman who wants to get an abortion will get it anyway, you know, if it's legal or not, if she might die or not, if she feels that, you know, it's not the right moment for her to have a child, she will do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you, you, and you see that in the film. I feel like you, that feeling of yeah, there's no other solution, really. It, it will have to be that, you know, yeah. Yeah, Autumn knows what she, yeah, it's not what she wants, it's what she needs. What she, yeah, what she needs to do. Like, it's just, yeah. But, and, and the difficulty and, the, um, you know, it's, uh, and, but she's not detached, you know, going through it. It's not, okay, I know what it, what needs to be done and I'm doing it anyway, but it's, no, it's not how you are going through that kind of um of emotional journey but uh so uh no i think it's a very powerful film and i really hope you know sometimes it's it's easy to think about those subjects and as we were saying you know focus on the states and say well you know there it's such it's still such a big issue there but it's easy to forget that it is still an issue here as well and it doesn't take it won't take a lot for it to become a bigger issue if we're not informed and if the younger generation is not really informed and if we don't talk about it it's 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 such a secretive um i feel like even you know women it's the kind of film that you really feel like it could it could open discussions um and um yeah especially now you know there's so so much happening um internationally you know, on that specific specific subject. And it's, you know, I have, um, I know a few young women were like, why, why is it such, it's easy to forget why it's such a big deal for, you know, women in Brazil, in Argentina, in, um, in Poland, you know, to be so excited about, and not excited, but to be so, um, uh, I don't know, all these demonstrations and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. an important right. And uh, anyway, so I was really moved by the film and I think it's a, it's great to entertain, but when you can, um, when you can produce something like that, that can resonate uh, deeply with, especially with a younger audience, I, I, I think it's very powerful. I admire that a lot. Yeah. yeah um, I would say like Hitman has the ability to, to, 
to focus on. Yeah, there's an urgent. I was going to say there's an urgency, but that's not really it. But she by making it about mm. by making it about Autumn's journey. I mean, I hate using the word journey because it's so overused. But this is literally a physical travel, is in addition to all the emotional stuff she goes through. And so by concentrating on that, by making it a process film, the next step in every you know how every step brings her slightly closer to New York, but also works against her uh, her emotional state because she's being worn down and and physically just jumping through all of these hoops um, emotionally as well as logistically like she and and Skyler have what is it two hundred dollars that's it that's enough to get tickets in into the city but they can't they don't have the money to come home because it's really just about getting there all of that plays as the sort of sedate um schematic i don't even know how I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to frame it properly it's all about finding the next step it's all about making the next connection and depending on the kindness of strangers literally again that happens over and over again people help autumn who she's not expecting to be helped by the nurses the technicians everybody there they're really apologetic when they can't take her right away because she didn't know that she couldn't go in right away all these things that she just assumes will happen because on some level, she's a kid, and she just still figures the adults are going to take care of her. Like that's why that scene in the uh, in the fake abortion clinic is so gutting to me, yeah. because she is trusting everyone to help her, and yeah. that place exists only to prey on her. And it was yeah. so clear to me immediately that the the information isn't quite right. She's being told she's further along than she is based on the the on the sonogram that we see. And it just, you feel so sick so quickly about the world that this poor kid has to navigate. But there's a, yeah, you're, when you, yeah, you feel that they're, you know, uh, Autumn and Skylar, that's her name, right? Being a prey is yeah. felt through the entire film. You can't blame them for trusting. You can't blame Autumn for trusting it. I mean, that's an, that's an amazing, it's difficult to trust. And when you do, and that other person is trying to manipulate you and it's terrible, but you will always have, but it's just so, just, I don't know. It's, uh, you're, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I had forgotten about that scene um, at the clinic before she leaves for New York. And yeah, it is terrible. Yeah. And from that moment, you understand that she will all she will have to stay so focused on her, uh, on herself. You know, she will always have to come back to herself and make sure that th that person is really there for her. And yeah. you know that intuition that needs to be super alive, uh, because the the risk of not being led in the right direction is there. And it hurt so bad when you see Skylar having that feeling of this, I'm going to be used, but I'm, I have to go in that direction anyway, because I need, I, I need that help, which is not really help, but I need, anyway, it's, yeah. uh, it's so sad. <laughs> it's yeah, so it sad because it is reality and seeing her having to just, um, swallow it because, uh, there's no other option than being used. Um, I don't know. It's uh, all these little subtle moments, you know, about what it means to be a woman in this world sometimes, a young woman, but a woman in general. Um, 
Yeah. It, once again, it was very subtle, but I think it was very, it was, it was, um, I don't know. I, how did you feel as a man watching that? Um, indicted, I would say. I mean, it's absolutely structural uh, sexism that that is powering the conflicts. It's, you know, you, you just know on some level that the, the laws in Pennsylvania were legislated by old white guys, by Republicans, yeah. trying to make a statement and get some votes from conservatives. Uh, it felt... It felt honest in a really uncomfortable way in that we are aware. (laughs) Honest in a very uncomfortable way. That's beautifully said. Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, But yeah, I never doubted for a second that everything in this film is likely to have happened over and over and over again. Nothing felt fictionalized. Nothing felt dramatized, Mm -hmm. even though we're watching a fictional story. It's like what Margaret Atwood said about The Handmaid's Tale. Like it's not science fiction. Everything in this book has happened somewhere. Yeah, and what and this was, it and it doesn't need to be over dramatized. Exactly to be dramatic. <laughs> yeah, just presenting it documentary style really works because all we do is look at the faces and look at the things that aren't being said and the gestures that are being made subtly. The way that, um, well, the way that Hitman opens the film with Autumn singing that song, the cover of uh, the Exciters, and it's. I know that song. It doesn't sound like that. And and what Flanagan does in her performance is tell us everything about the movie we're about to see, everything about who this person is, uh, to the point where the the audience at the Q&A at TIFF was kind of angry that Hitman didn't tell us who the father is. Like, it's pretty clear to me. Really? Yeah, I, they wanted an answer. That, yeah, but I love that she doesn't give that answer. Yeah, because it's none of our it, business. No. Exactly. Right? That's not what this is about. And... It doesn't matter for what she's about to do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But we get lost in that kind of details to be able to judge if we agree with the, with exactly. the decision or not. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I think the audience definitely wanted to know how to feel. Or not the audience, some people in the audience. Definitely the person who asked the question and the other person who clapped. But um, mm. that's not what this movie is about. Like, It's not about the consequences of sex. It's about the reality of mm-hmm. safety for Autumn and for, for Skylar, because they're both yeah. on their own in, a, in, a, yeah. in so many ways. Like Skylar, they both work at a job where they are constantly harassed. Yeah. Uh, it's implied that Skylar is yeah. using the boss right back because he's already yeah. used her. Yeah. Um, and all of this stuff is unsaid because this is the kind of, that's what I meant about documentary style, I suppose, that there is no big speech. The closest we come to any kind of exposition is the questionnaire. And that is like that incredible performance from Flanagan, who again, like it's revelatory. Who is this person put her in everything? Yes. Um, because the way she handles that, I mean, I again, I saw that, I think I might've actually been, I was definitely the only man. There were three people in the theater. I was the only guy in the theater. And at that first screening, and it's just like, you you don't, you you don't even want to breathe because you don't want to break the movie's spell. But that moment, that shot of of Sidney Flanagan answering those questions without looking at anybody, without, you know, just feeling as she gets tighter and and, um, and more. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I I am. I don't I don't know. It's uh, it hasn't been recognized that much that performance, right? Did no she? nominations at all. Nothing. No nominations yeah. at all. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's always surprising somehow what gets lost. Um, but it's, uh, but I really found it interesting that, you know, uh, Skylar and Autumn could have easily, uh, been only one character. 
But the fact that they were two uh, didn't take away anything for uh, from Autumn. And I think on the contrary, the fact it would have been maybe too much if everything had happened to her, like to yeah. Autumn. Um, and it made it, oh, okay, so it's what she's going through. How can, how can I put it together? I think it made it even more real and honest, the fact that she was not the only one receiving all these um not attacks but um um i don't know um being preyed on you know from so many angles mm -hmm. i think it would have been a lot for only one character to receive it all um but and at the same time the fact that we saw yeah two young women going through that you know and no seeing and knowing exactly what the other person is going through and sometimes not even being able to talk about it directly yeah because there's i i don't know there's a lot of um the shame of it, even amongst, you know, even um, that scene, you know, with Theodore Pellerin, when uh, Skylar, when they're kissing and, you know, uh, Autumn is just coming and they're just, as you said, touching hands. and yeah. But you really get the feeling that they will probably never talk about it. Yeah, it's just a thing but, they, that happened, right? It's a shared experience. Yeah. I don't, uh, hopefully they won't even process it as traumatic. They'll just... No, no, no. The thing that, and I think Hitman mentioned this specifically in the in the conversation. So, like, it's a sharing of strength. They pass it back and forth to each other when they need it, and mm. Skylar is there in support of Autumn. She really doesn't have to be there. You're right. And structurally, she could lift right out, but she's also the one who seems to be better positioned to navigate the world. She's more okay. aware of how she's perceived in it, and Autumn just sort of boxes sure. herself away. You're right. You're right. And. This is gradually like you see how they gain strength from each other, but also how they they don't have any without each other. Like they they really do need that. It's a symbiotic enabling that happens. They're they're together through this, and that. But that says a lot too. You know mm -hmm. the fact that it, it yeah. But being there for each other, yeah, all the strength that it's giving. I think it's a really good example of yeah. You can sometimes you can't. But sometimes you can't really march alone and you don't have to share everything about yourself to feel the support of someone else next to you. You just need to share that. Yeah. The sharing of the strength. Yeah. And it's, not, yeah, I love that she said that the sharing of the strength, it's not about, you know, um, meeting in this very victim place of, you know, we're being preyed on what, no, it's okay. This is happening, but we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of strength in that, even just as a, as a viewer to see that. So that's why I really hope that it, it's really the kind of film that I hope a younger audience will get their hands on, but I don't know if they will. I don't know. I yeah. don't know if they will. Didn't even get a Blu-ray yeah. release. I still don't understand. I Maybe it's just some, some strange quirk of 2020 where everything had to suffer. But the good thing about it is that it is available. It's out there on VOD. Yeah, yeah. It's bound yeah, to show up on Netflix or Amazon yeah. or something. I, I just, I can wonder how people will react to it. Just, just stumbling into it. I suppose that's what happened with secret movie club. We just put it in front of people and a couple of them didn't like it. There was, there were comments from people that it was, you know, like it was what, too. What did they say? Oh, uh, well, an older woman walked out at the end of the film. I was waiting to go on to the, do the Q&A and just someone, one of the audience members just walked out as it, the credits were rolling and just said, that was disgusting. And it's like, I didn't even get to ask her why. I would have loved to find out why. Yeah. And maybe it's just because that generation doesn't believe you should talk about these things, which of course is 
how abortion rights continue to be you know, like oppressed and twisted and, and withheld yeah. because it's just not something we should talk about. We should simply make it go away. That that impulse to not even have movies about it, to not even deal with it. And again, it, the film isn't about the abortion. It's about the person trying to get one and, yeah. and who she is and what that does. But uh, yeah, my back goes right up at that sort of thing. It's like, I don't know how you could, maybe if you walk out the second you hear what the movie's about, maybe, but I don't know how you could watch that film and spend an hour and a half with these characters and then be disgusted. I just, wow. yeah, people are weird. Do you find that, uh, you know, secret movie, it's just, I, I love that idea of, you know, people watching a, fil a film that they just didn't know they would be watching. Do you, do you, did you find over the years that people are more, Um, are they more easily surprised and touched by a movie or you see that on the contrary, when they, uh, when they really don't like it, they really hate it. It's because it's, it's so easy to, you know, you read about a film and it's, and it's sad sometimes because I feel like some movies are rejected right away because of their theme or subjects and they would potentially have a great impact on those viewers, you know? Yeah, I love the idea of luring people into an experience that could yeah. potentially change their points of view, but it is real. It's a hard sell um, sometimes. I mean, it's it's not that people leap out of their seats and run away when we screen something, when we announce the film isn't going to be something they like or that they think they'd like. But I mean, we I mean, we got to screen Minery this year. We got to screen mm -hmm. um, The Courier and I'm Your Woman and... Uh, I mean, oh, which one is that? Oh, that's the that's Julia Hart's uh, film with uh, Rachel Brosnahan as a as a, yeah, basically a mob that. wife in the seventies. Okay, but it's not about what it's about in the same way. It's it's really interesting inversion of genre stuff, uh, and I think that like. I think the people who buy the tickets expect to be challenged and surprised. They would also enjoy, I mean, they did enjoy it when we had 1917 that time, because okay. that was a big Oscar-y movie that everybody yeah, had been hearing about. And there's that thrill too, but um, yeah, I don't think already we, an audience that is willing to be surprised and just, whoa. Yeah, exactly. They generally roll with whatever we give them. And we, we haven't, I don't think we've screened anything that's truly, you know, like challenging or transgressive or terrifying. No, This no. is probably the, the, the biggest leap of faith we've taken with our audience. And for the most part, they responded really well. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Great. This is so fresh that it's probably inappropriate to ask, but I usually end the podcast by asking people if they've taken inspiration from the film they've chosen. And if there's any, anything of never really, sometimes always that you'll be using in the future, I guess is how I'd apply it. Is, is there something you want to lift or steal or, Um, not steel, obviously, but there's something <laughs> about how the, she, um, Eliza Hitman, I feel like she really lets it happen in front of us. She's not rushing, although we feel that sense of urgency and honesty. Um, yeah, she, I feel like the, the feelings have room to really bloom and mm -hmm. get deeper and deeper and um and because it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel over dramatic it just it feels as you said honest and real 
And, um, you know, sometimes when you've been working, as I've been uh, for the past few years working on movie on TV more, although Cardinal was not <laughs> that very, the, the speed of the, of the series was not very fast, but still you, yeah, it's easy to rush through certain emotions and um, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, because that's what we, as a viewer, that's what I love to see. And that's what we're moved by. It's not necessarily the end. And, and, you know, that's so basic for acting and directing and everything. But it's, I, I, watching the film, it was a great reminder of we want to see it happen in front of us. We want to feel it all the way through, you know, and it's, and, um, and the evolution is sometimes so subtle of a specific emotion that it's really easy to jump a few steps and then um, really lose, lose the honesty uh, on the way. So, um So to just take my time as an actor, as a storyteller in general, you know, to just um, get to the honesty and the truth of it. And uh, it doesn't have, and the scope of the story also, to get mm. really close to the characters. And it doesn't have to be this spectacular. And watching the film, actually, I really, um, I have a, a great acting coach in LA, uh, John Sheckle, And she's, you know, when she talks about, you know, the, the acts of a film. And she's like, we've been telling stories, uh, and, you know, in movies uh, with a very specific uh, structure in mind. But, you know, just like music, sometimes, you know, it can be, it, music has so many ways of, you know, um, taking you away in, a, in an emotional journey and with the, the, the speed and the rhythm and everything. And I feel like this specific one, it's, It's very um, precise, never rarely, sometimes always, but it doesn't have like the, the usual act one, act two. It, 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 yes, it has a few acts. I mean, it, it is a story and we're moving forward, but still it, I don't know, it, um, yeah, just to trust that the story has its own rhythm and you don't have to try to um, box, it, box it into something different um, and to trust that this rhythm will um, tell the right story. Yeah. My thanks to Corinne Vanas, whose latest project, Felix and the Treasure of Morga, is now available to rent or buy on digital BOD platforms across North America. She's having a lot of fun in it. Thanks also to Angie Power. She knows what she did. You can find Corrine on Twitter at Corrine Vanasse, all one word, and you can find Never Rarely, Sometimes Always on DVD from Universal Studios Home Entertainment. It's also available on Apple TV and Google Play, and streaming on Crave in Canada and HBO Max in the US. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts these days and writing the weekly Now Streaming newsletter, to which you can subscribe at NowToronto.substack.com. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying it. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay home, watch movies, wear a mask if you go out. I'll see you next time.